Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Friday, December 15th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. There's a lot of great listening over there, over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic areas, uh, all covered from a biblical worldview. My brothers and sisters in Christ doing a great job for the kingdom. I would encourage you to go on over there and listen. I will guarantee you, you're going to find something over there to listen to. And there's a real good possibility you're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. So again, definitely worth your while to go on over there. All right. Well, we're continuing on with it being a Friday. This is our last day of Bible study for the week. So evening segment, we're going to be wrapping up this section on from sorrow to joy in John 16 verses 16 through 24. We're going to be finishing that up today. Uh, in the evening segment, and we're continuing to read in our scriptures as we do every day. And again, like I've said, we're closing in on the end of the year, so we're closing in on the, on the end of our Bible study. Um, and I think I've kind of decided I want to stay with this plan, and we'll just start over. Um, not not that I want to, I, not that I want the podcast. And again, the podcast isn't about being entertaining or anything; it's about bringing the Word of God. And so I I think. You know, I, I don't want it to become dull and placid, but at the same time, I this plan I think is very, very good. And so I think I want to continue with doing the reading every day and we'll go ahead and continue to use this reading plan. So we'll start it back over on January 1st, but let's go ahead and get started. Like, like I've said before, we're, we're going to be, we're in the minor prophets, we're in Revelation and we're in Solomon Proverbs. So let's go ahead and open up with prayer. We're going to open up with the six day morning prayer. This one is called the gospel. Let's pray. O thou most high creator of the ends of the earth, governor of the universe, judge of all men, head of the church, savior of sinners. Thy greatness is unsearchable. Thy goodness, infinite, thy compassions, unfailing, thy providence, boundless, thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches. Blind, but we find he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank thee for thy unspeakable gift, excuse me. Thy Son is our only refuge, foundation, hope, confidence. We depend upon his death, rest in his righteousness, desire to bear his image. May his glory fill our minds, his love reign in our affection, his cross inflame us with ardor. 
let us as Christians fill our various situations in life. Escape this escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right. Sorry, didn't do something there. Okay. And now our morning devotion. Why is that not working correctly? There we go. And now our morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Uh, the text is from Ruth 114. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Both of them had an affection for Naomi. Excuse me. And therefore set out with her upon her return to the land of Judah. But the hour of test came. Naomi most unselfishly set before each of them the trials which awaited them, and bade them, if they cared for ease and comfort, to return to their Moabitish friends. At first both of them declared that they would cast in their lot with the Lord's people. But upon still further consideration, Orpah, with much grief and respectful kiss, and a respectful kiss, left her mother-in-law and her people and her God, and went back to her idolatrous friends, while Ruth, with all her heart, gave herself up to the God of her mother-in-law. It is one thing to love the ways of the Lord when all is fair, and quite another to cleave to them under all discouragements and difficulties. The kiss of outward profession is very cheap and easy, but the practical cleaving to the Lord, which must show itself in holy decision for truth and holiness, is not so small a matter. How stands the case with us? Is our heart fixed upon Jesus? Is the sacrifice bound with cords to the horns of the altar? Have we, <clears throat> have we counted the cost, and are we solemnly ready to suffer all worldly loss for the Master's sake? The after gain will be an abundant recompense, for Egypt's treasures are not to be compared with the glory to be revealed. Orpah is heard of no more. In glorious ease and idolatrous pleasure her life melts into the gloom of death. But Ruth lives in history and in heaven, for grace has placed her in the noble line whence sprung the King of Kings. Blessed among women shall those be who for Christ's sake can renounce all, but forgotten and worse than forgotten shall those be who in the hour of temptation do violence to conscience and turn back unto the world. Oh, that this morning we may not be content with the form of devotion, which may be no better than Orpah's kiss, but may the Holy Spirit work in us a cleaving of our whole heart to our Lord Jesus. All right. So far our reading today, we're going to be reading Micah 1 through Micah 4, Revelation 6, Psalm 134, and Proverbs 30, verses 1 through 4. So we're in the last two Proverbs here. So Micah 1. The word of Yahweh, which came to Micah of Morasheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he beheld concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, O peoples, all of you. Give heed, O earth, as well as its fullness. And let Lord Yahweh be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, Yahweh is going forth from his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will be split, like wax before the fire, like water poured down a steep place. All this is for the transgression of Jacob, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? 
Is it not Samaria? What is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? So I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the field, planting places for a vineyard, and I will pour her stones down into the valley, and will lay bare her foundations, and all of her graven images will be smashed, and all of her earnings will be burned with fire, and all of her idols I will make desolate. For she collected them from a harlot's earnings, and to the earnings of a harlot they will return. Because of this I must lament and wail, I must go barefoot and naked, I must make a lament like the jackals, and a mourning like the ostriches, for her wound is incurable, for it has come to Judah, it has reached the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Tell it not in Gath, weep not at all, at Bethlehaphra, roll yourself in the dust, pass on by, inhabitant of Shephir, in shameful nakedness. The inhabitant of Zanan does not go out, the lamentation of Beth Ezel he will take from you its support, for the inhabitant of Meroth writhes in waiting for good, because a calamity has come down from Yahweh to the gate of Jerusalem. Harness the chariot to the team of horses, O inhabitant of Lachish. She was the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion, because in you were found the transgressions of Israel. Therefore you will give parting gifts on behalf of Morasheth Gath, the houses of Oxib, will become a deception to the kings of Israel. Moreover, I will bring on you the one who takes possession, O inhabitant of Marashah. The glory of Israel will enter Adullam. Make yourself bald and cut off your hair, because of the children of your delight. Extend your baldness like the eagle, for they will go from you into exile. Micah 2 Woe to those who devise wickedness, who work out evil on their beds. When the light of the morning comes, they do it for it is in the power of their hands, and they <clears throat> and they covet fields, and then tear them away, <clears throat> and houses, and take them away, and they oppress a man in his house, a man in his inheritance. Therefore thus says Yahweh, Behold, I am devising against this family an evil demise, from which you cannot remove your necks, and you will not walk haughtily, for it will be an evil time. On that day they will take up against you a taunt, and utter a bitter wailing, and say, we are completely devastated. He exchanges the portion of my people, how he removes it from me. To the faithless one he apportions our fields. Therefore you will have no one stretching a measuring line, for you buy lot in the assembly of Yahweh. Do not speak dripping out words. They say while dripping out words. But if they do not drip out words concerning these things, dishonor will not be turned back. Is it being said, O house of Jacob, is the spirit of Yahweh an impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to the one walking uprightly? And recently my people have arisen as an enemy. You strip the robe off the garment from unsuspecting passers-by, from those returned from war. The women of my people you drive out, each one from her pleasant house. From her infants you take my splendor forever. Arise and go, for this is no place of rest, because of the uncleanness that wreaks destruction, a painful destruction. If a man walking after wind and lying had acted falsely and said, I will speak, dripping out words to you concerning wine and liquor, he would be one who drips out words as a spokesman to the excuse me, as a spokesman to this people. I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in the fold, 
like a flock in the midst of its pasture. They will be noisy with men. The breaker will go up. I'm sorry, the breaker goes up before them. They break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. So their king goes on before them, and Yahweh at their head. Micah 3 And I said, Hear now, heads of Jacob, and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice, you who hate good and love evil, who tear off their skin from them, and their flesh from their bones, and who eat the flesh of my people, strip off their skin from them, break their bones, and spread them out as for the pot, and as meat in a cauldron? Then they will cry out to Yahweh, but he will not answer them. Instead, he will hide his face from them at that time, because they have practiced evil deeds. Thus says Yahweh concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. When they have something to bite with their teeth, they call out peace. But against him who puts nothing in their mouths, they set themselves apart for war. Therefore it will be night for you without vision, and darkness for you without divination. The sun will go down on the prophets, and the days will grow black over them. The seers will be ashamed, and the diviners will be humiliated. Indeed, they will all cover their mouths, because there is no answer from God. On the other hand, I am filled with power, with the spirit of Yahweh, and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression, even to Israel his sin. Now hear this, heads of the house of Jacob, and rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and twist everything that is straight who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with violent injustice. Her heads pronounce judgment for a bribe, and her priests instruct for a price, and her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on Yahweh, saying, Is not Yahweh in our midst? Evil will not come upon us. Therefore on account of you Zion will be plowed as a field, Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house of God will become high places of a forest. Micah 4. Now it will be that in the last days the mountain of the house of Yahweh will be established as the head of the mountains, and will be lifted up above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it, and many nations will come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us from his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And he will judge between many peoples, and it will render decisions for mighty distant nations. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. And each of them will sit under his vine, and under his fig tree, with no one to make them tremble. For the mouth of Yahweh of hosts has spoken. Through all the peoples walk, each in the name of his God, as for us we will walk, in the name of Yahweh our God forever and ever. In that day, declares Yahweh, I will assemble the lame, and gather the banished, even those upon whom I have brought calamity. I will make the lame a remnant, and the outcasts a mighty nation, and Yahweh will reign over them in Mount Zion, from now on and forever. And as for you, tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it will come, even the former dominion will come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why do you make a loud shout? Is there no king among you? Or has your counselor perished? That writhing has taken hold of you like a woman in childbirth. Writhe in labor to give birth, daughter of Zion, like a woman in childbirth. 
From For now you will go out of the city, dwell in the field, and go to Babylon. There you will be delivered. There Yahweh will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. But now many nations have been assembled against you, who say, Let her be polluted, and let our eyes behold Zion in triumph. But they do not know the thoughts of Yahweh, and they do not understand his counsel. For he has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, daughter of Zion. For your horn I will make iron, and your hoofs I will make bronze, that you may pulverize many peoples, that you may devote to Yahweh their greedy gain unto destruction, and their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. All right, Revelation 6. Then I looked when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come. Then I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sits on it has a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out overcoming and to overcome. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sits on it was given to him to take peace from the earth and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. Then I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sits on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, One coinix of wheat for one denarius, and three coinix of barley for one denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. Then I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And he who sits on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, and because of the witness which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Master, holy and true, will you not judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And a white robe was given to each of them, and it was told to them that they should rest for a little while longer, until the number of their fellow slaves and their brothers who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. Then I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth, as a fig tree casts its unripe fruit figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it rolled up, and every mountain and island were removed out of their places. Then the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the commanders, and the rich and the strong, and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves, and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains, and to the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Psalm 134, A Song of Ascents Behold, bless Yahweh, all you slaves of Yahweh, who stand in the house of Yahweh by night. Lift up your hands to the sanctuary, and bless Yahweh. May Yahweh bless you from Zion, who made heaven and earth. Alright, and finally Proverbs 30, verses 1-4. through 4. The word of Agur, the son of Jekeh, the oracle, the man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel a new cow, 
Surely I am more senseless than any man, and I do not have the understanding of mankind. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I know the knowledge of the Holy One, who has ascended into heaven and descended, who has gathered the wind in his fists, who has wrapped the waters in his garment, who has established all the ends of the earth. What is his name, and what is his son's name? Surely you know. All right, well, that is our reading for the day. I thank you for spending this time with me. Um, I continue to pray that this time together will help keep you saturated in the Word of God and would help myself as well. Um, I hope you have yourself a great day. Um, I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Friday, December 15th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right, well, we're going to be back in our study of John 16. This will be the last night of the week for that. Um, and we'll be wrapping up um, this section about From Sorrow to Joy. Um, so let's let's go ahead and just dive right in and open up with prayer. Uh, this one from Valley Vision is called A Convert's First Prayer. Let's pray. My Father, I could never have sought my happiness and thy love, unless thou hadst first loved me. Thy Spirit has encouraged me by grace to seek thee, has made known to me thy reconciliation in Jesus, has taught me to believe it, has helped me to take thee for my God and portion. May he grant me to grow in the knowledge and experience of thy love, and walk in it all the way to glory. Blessed forever be thy fatherly affection, which chose me to be one of thy children by faith in Jesus. I thank thee for giving me the desire to live as such. In Jesus my brother, I have my new birth, every restraining power, every renewing grace. It is by the Spirit I call thee Father, believe in thee, love thee, strengthen me inwardly for every purpose of my Christian life. Let the Spirit continually reveal to me my interest in Christ, and open to me the riches of thy love in him. May he abide in me that I may know my union with Jesus, and enter into constant fellowship with him. By the Spirit may I daily live to thee, rejoice in thy love, find it the same to me as to thy Son, and become rooted and grounded in it as a house on rock. I know but little. Increase my knowledge of thy love in Jesus. Keep me pressing forward for clearer discoveries of it, so that I may find its eternal fullness. Magnify thy love to me according to its greatness, and not according to my deserts or prayers, and whatever increase thou givest, let it draw our greater greater love on I'm sorry, let it draw out greater love to thee. Amen. Alright, in the evening devotion for today, uh, the text is from Isaiah fifty four eleven and lay thy foundations with sapphires. Not only that which is seen of the church of God, but that which is unseen is fair and precious. Foundations are out of sight, and so long as they are firm, it is not expected that they should be valuable. But in Jehovah's work, everything is of a piece, nothing slurred, nothing mean. The deep foundations of the work of grace are, sorry, are as sapphires for preciousness. No human mind is able to measure their glory. 
we build upon the covenant of grace, which is firmer than adamant, and as enduring as jewels upon which ages, ages spends itself in vain. Sapphire foundations are eternal, and the covenant abides throughout the lifetime of the Almighty. Another foundation is the person of the Lord Jesus, which is clear and spotless, everlasting and beautiful as the sapphire, blending in one the deep blue of earth's ever-rolling ocean and the azure of its all-embracing sky. Once might our Lord have been likened to the ruby as he stood covered with his own blood, but now we see him radiant with the soft blue of love, love abounding, deep, eternal. Our eternal hopes are built upon the justice and the faithfulness of God, which are clear and cloudless as the sapphire. We are not saved by a compromise, by mercy defeating justice, or law suspending its operations. No, we defy the eagle's eye to detect a flaw in the groundwork of our confidence. Our foundation is of sapphire, and will endure the fire. The Lord himself has laid the foundation of his people's hopes. It is matter for grave inquiry whether our hopes are built upon such a basis. Good works and ceremonies are not a foundation of sapphires, but of wood, hay, and stubble. Neither are they laid by God, but by our own conceit. Foundations will all be tried, ere long. Woe unto him whose lofty tower shall come down with a crash, because based on a quicksand, he who is built on sapphires may await storm or fire with equanimity, for he shall abide the test. All right, well, again, so we're back in John 16. We're wrapping up our John 16 study um, for the week, um, not total, but for the week. Um, and we're finishing up this section about going from sorrow to joy. And again, we need to remind ourselves, um, these disciples, things are coming apart for them. And they're in the upper room, and Jesus, this is private ministry to them. Um, he's trying to support them. He's trying to bring them uh, he's trying to strengthen their faith. He's he's trying to bring them out of this funk, at least to some extent. I mean, you you expect them to be sorrowful, and and we see him even speak of that. You know, um, verse twenty. Truly, truly, I say to you that you will cry and lament. I mean, so he knows they're going to, and that's understandable. That was in John sixteen, by the way. So we know that's and that's part of this sorrow turn to joy section. So he knows they're going to do that, and and it's to be expected. But he's trying to get across to them that these steps have to happen and these things have to happen so that others can happen that will empower you. He's trying to get that across, especially, you know, like I've said, he's been talking about the helper, the advocate, the paraclete, the, the Holy Spirit coming in and dwelling them, but, but he has to go to send him. Okay. So he's been making this very, very clear to them. So as part of this, trying to strengthen their faith, because again, it ain't over yet. You know, you and I both know that. Um, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten beyond recognition. Um, he's going to be spat on and reviled in a, in a way that is not normal for their society. And then he's going to be crucified. Again, we all hear that and go, oh, he was killed. Except you got, we, we all have to understand that he, he is being taken out in the most horrific manner known of that time. And it was meant for the lowest of the low. And again, like I talked to you about, you know, the thief was considered one of the lowest of the low, because in that society, you, you were typically, if you were taking, you were taking from others that were living hand to mouth. So fact is you were putting their lives in je jeopardy by stealing from them. So again, they were considered the lowest of the low and they were going to, they, they murdered Jesus the exact same way. 
So he knows that their faith is going to even take a heavier blow than what it has taken so far. So again, he's been trying to lift them up. He's been trying to let them know it's okay. This is expected, but things are coming that are going to bring you out of this. And we, so we talked our way through it in this from sorrow to joy. We talked about the Lord's prediction in verse 16, a little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And then we looked at um, the disciples' perplexity, and I won't read through that one because it's confusing, but 17 through 19, and you hear them. I mean, again, they're struggling with what he said in 16 because it can be a little ambiguous. We even talked about it, that even today, there's there's a number of different ways you can take the a little whiles. But like I said, the big picture is the fact that Jesus is going to go away. Jesus is going to come again. And we've got to understand that because you and I need to know that he is coming at the second coming. He is coming and he will return and we have our hope in that. So, but we see Jesus there as we get to the end of 19, he realizes they have a question or that they're questioning and, and they won't bring it to him. So he initiates the conversation and asks, Hey, are you, Hey, are you deliberating together about this? And restates his point. And then we saw in last night's, um, the illustrative parable, um, you know, where, where Jesus says, listen, I know you're going to cry and you're going to lament and you're going to be sad. And while you're sad, the world is going to rejoice. And again, like we talked about, he's talking about the world system, the corrupt world system. And in that case, it's the religious elite, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, and the scribes. They're going to be rejoicing about that. They're, they, they're going to be rejoicing about having committed murder. And we have to remember not only had they gotten to the point they were going to kill Jesus, they were going to kill Lazarus too. Now, we have no indication one way or another whether they ever actually carried that out. But they're celebrating murdering somebody who is completely innocent. So if that doesn't tell you something about the evilness of the world system, of course, in our day and time, aren't people celebrating murder in our society? They celebrate the murder of the unborn, those that are alive, but have not, have not exited the birth canal yet. So even in that case, they're alive, but it's location, location, location. They believe that because it is still in the womb, it's okay to kill and they justify it. They celebrate it. And, and we cry and lament, I mean, at the over 60 million that have been slaughtered since abortion became legal. How repugnant is that? But he says, listen, I know you're going to mourn, but your sorrow will be turned to joy into joy, which is what our section is anyways, from sorrow to joy. He says it's going to be turned into joy. And then he used the uses the illustration, what we call the illustrative parable about a woman in childbirth. And how they're, they sorrow, they're in pain, they hurt as they're in labor and trying to give birth. But when her hour comes and she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. And there's actually studies out there, and I've actually talked to a number of women about this, including my wife, my mother, my daughter-in-law. And it, it does. Um, the, the memory of the pain lessens so that they're encouraged to have more children um, because that is a natural function. I, I'm sorry. People go, oh, well, people can, women, women can be perfectly complete and satisfied without ever having children. I, I'm not trying to make that statement one way or another, 
But the fact is, God made men and women to be married. He made men to be the protector and women to be the caregivers and women to give birth to these children. That that is their core that is their their core place in, in society. And we've twisted it. Um just like with men, and we've twisted it with men. Believe me, I'm not trying to throw women under the bus. Men who are supposed to be protectors and providers have become the the absolute joke. I mean, they cannot live up to that because they choose to be beta. And it's pitiful. But again, he's likening it to that. And again, I didn't mean to go on any kind of political rant or anything. And I'm really not going to. And I may have upset people by saying what I said. And I'm sorry. But the fact is, God makes very, very clear in Genesis that that these are the jobs. But again, there's the pain. But then the child is born. And then they don't care about the pain anymore. They really don't. Um, again, my, 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 um, daughter-in-law of my oldest son, they've had one and she went through a 72 hour labor and they're pregnant with their second one. And they've been talking, they want to have more. They want to have more than that. Not just two. They want to have more than that. I know my wife and I wanted to have more and we ended up having two miscarriages through that. And then through other complications, we were not able to have any more. And, you know, we've gone on with life. But it, we did lament that. We wanted more children. Um, she, My wife wanted more children. It wasn't just me. My wife wanted more children. She wanted more kids. Um, and she had had to go through it. She went through a C-section. And then we were, like I said, we were one of those one of those rare ones that we had a V-back. Um, it's a, 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 a normal birth after a cesarean section. We, we had one. My, my youngest son is, is, the, is the produce of that. But again, that's what he's saying is, yes, there's going to be sorrow. There's going to be pain here. But your sorrow is going to be gone. I'll see you again, again, in verse 22. I'll see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. That's why we tend to think in the reference there, he's talking about on his return, on his return, his second coming. But so we move into what we're doing with today. So that was the illustrative parable. So what we're really looking at today is verses 23 and 24, which which MacArthur calls the blessed promise. So verse 23 and 24, um, John 16, verse 23 and 24. And on that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have been asked for nothing. And I'm sorry, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made complete. So we've got a few things being spoken of here. So this first part of verse 23, and on that day, you will not question me about anything. Um, And I, I know reading through MacArthur's, and I think some of the others are kind of the same, the commentaries, but on that day, you will not question me about anything. That's why I think what he's talking about on that day, that day, that's referring back to, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. Then it goes on. And on that day, you will not question me about anything that I think MacArthur's right when he talks about it, that, that this is referring to his second coming because we know after he was resurrected for that 40 days, the disciples ask questions. We even see some of them in the, in the first chapter of acts, they've asked, they ask him questions. Because Holy Spirit still had the Holy Spirit still had not indwelt them, okay. 
So they're asking questions. But at this, he says, and on that day, you will not question me about anything. Now think about that. The Holy Spirit indwelling them and empowering them to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. He answered their questions. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Again, and, it, and we've seen the verses that the Holy Spirit speaks from that which God has told him, from, from that which God has said. Um, here we go. Verse 13 from John 16. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak from himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. And again, of course, he's speaking of that, which comes from the father is what he hears. So they're going, they, they got the answers they needed by the Holy spirit coming, which came after his ascension. So we have to, we have to understand that, that that's what's going on here is, Hey, they're not going to have any questions anymore. That's why this seems to be pointing out what Jesus is speaking as of is after the second coming. But then Jesus goes on truly, truly. I say to you again, the amen, amen. I, again, like we talked about, you need to sit up and take notice. Here is a real truth. Now, again, he's said this before in multiple places. Okay. So it goes on, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. It goes on until now you have asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made complete. So I'm going to approach this in a little different order until now you have asked for nothing in my name. So that's the beginning of verse 24. Then we're going to go back to the end of 23 and the end of 24, kind of put those together. So until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Well, of course they haven't. The fact is they've asked Jesus himself or they've prayed. They've, they've, they've not written, but, but they've been going through Jesus. Okay. And prior to them being with Jesus, they weren't asking for these things. So yeah, he, he's making a clear reference there that they've asked for nothing. But then let's go back to the end of 23 and 24. End of 23, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. And then end of 24. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made complete. So let's look at this. If you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Let's lay this out. We need to understand what this means. Many, many people, many people, many, many people that pray in their Christianese, and I'm not saying saying this is wrong. I'm saying in their Christianese, though, they say in Christ's name, they throw that on the end of a prayer in Christ's name. And for a lot of people, it becomes like a mantra. Um, it, it, it becomes almost like a magic phrase that goes, oh, the, this, this makes the prayer okay. This is, and, and so in reading this, they'll, they'll think of it the same way. So basically they, they're saying if the disciples wanted to go, Hey, you know, after Jesus is ascended, they want to go, Hey, Lord, please. I want to have my fishing business pick back up and explode. And make me very, very rich in Jesus name. That that's what this is talking about and that God will give it to them. That's not what this is talking about. Please understand that when something says in my name, and I've, I've, we've talked about this in our Sunday school class a number of times to get people to understand this and actually to even understand, um, we're, we're working through the first and second chapters of Ephesians right now, um, approaching it with kind of a precepts attitude, but though a, a lighter version of precepts and get across. There's a lot of places there in the first chapter 
where Paul lists things there and he lists them in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Um, and so we, we discussed the meaning of that. And during that, I brought up the fact that in, in Jesus name, in Christ's name, in my name, when he says that the misunderstanding that people have. So, so let, that's why I'm bringing it up. We've got to understand this because this, this, um, shapes what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus is saying, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. The in my name, when he's saying that, what he's meaning is if you pray to the father in based in my attributes and my will, he will give it to you. Meaning that you are, you are of the mind of Christ. You are of the mind of God because Christ is God incarnate, meaning you are praying, you are asking, and that's what asking is, is praying. You are asking, and that's really what Jesus is saying. If you pray to my father for anything in, in my name, he will give it to you. If you are praying in my name, if you are praying in the will, in my will, in, in, in the Christ's will, meaning you're praying based on what his attributes are, based on what his will is, based on what is appropriate to bring honor to Jesus and honor to God, then he will give it to you. That's what's being said there. That is what is being made clear there. And of course it goes on at the end of verse 24, ask and you will receive. Again, he's saying pray and, and he's making reference back. Pray. I mean, even to the beginning of this verse, until now you've asked for nothing in my name. When he says ask and you will receive, meaning pray and you will receive, he's saying Pray in my name and you will receive so that your joy may be made complete. Again, trying to make clear that if you're praying in my name, God will bless you. If you're praying in the will of Christ, truly pray, praying in the will of Christ and the will of God, so, so that God's will is manifested and God is honored and, and glorified and that Jesus Christ is glorified and honored. And therefore, that, that your prayers and your requests and thus your mind is shaped like Christ, like God's. So that obviously your walk is being shaped that same way. Then God will give it to you. And that's what he's saying to them. You know, he's he's being clear. He's, he's not telling them. And they would understand this. They would understand the way he's saying this in my name. He, he understands. Again, if we're out there going and asking for... God, give me a 53 foot cruising boat in, in Christ's name. I'm actually bringing dishonor to Christ because I'm trying to say that Christ wants me to have a 53 foot boat. Now there's absolutely nothing that has been brought to my mind. And, I'm, and I, I think because I, I watch sailing porn, not real porn. It just stuff about sailing. Cause I'll never go and do it. Um, I I'll never have the money to do it. Um, it's just not, that's not, that's not something God has ordained for me and that's okay. I I'm, I'm okay with that. But again, so if I were praying for that, that's not bringing honor to God. The fact is that's actually dishonoring God. That's dishonoring Christ because that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to jump in a boat and disappear off over the horizon and not feed God's sheep. That's the path he has set me on to feed God's sheep. And I need to be right where I'm, I am doing it. So for me to pray in the name of Christ, I need to be praying, um, praying for things to grow and for us to properly feed 
um, the sheep in the prison, when we're going into the prison, that would be a thing to pray for, um, to pray that the things we do in our community, that at the same time we are bringing glory to God and that we are sharing the gospel and that, that the Holy Spirit's work would be engendered by, by our bringing the gospel to our community around us and, and manifesting a, a worldly, a worthy walk, a Christian walk within this community so that we honor God. Those are the kind of prayers we're talking about. This, this is the kind of thing that he's telling these disciples, these 11 that are left here, that if you do that, God will bless it. God will, he will give it to you. He will bless you again. He's not telling them to go and, Hey, I want five years worth of wages in Christ's name. Again, he's not saying you can use God as a genie. Too many people read that. And thus we get the prosperity gospel where they say, you know, if your faith is strong enough and you just pray to God, God wants to, God wants to just overwhelm you with blessing, except they're thinking of worldly blessings. That's where the prosperity gospel is wrong. They think it's about worldly blessings. The fact is, if you look at Ephesians 1, I was telling you, we're working through Ephesians 1 and 2, and you see all these in Christ things, and part of our exercise was to write down, so what are those all referring to? And when you do that, you realize these are all blessings, spiritual blessings, that we are granted in Christ. Through the person and work of Christ, and through our love for Christ, and our obedience, and our faith in Christ, we have all those spiritual blessings. And you realize it's spiritual and that that's the kind of thing. That's, that's what this is, this is about. This here that Jesus is talking about is in the will of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. If per God's will, it is necessary for him to bless us with something material, then I don't see that as being wrong. If that's something that would facilitate the work of God, that would facilitate honoring God and being in the will of God. I, I'm sure that could happen. But the fact is, you and I in this world, what we need most is spiritual blessing. What these disciples needed most was spiritual blessing, a blessing in their faith, a strength in their faith. Again, we've talked about it. These guys are the, some of the first martyrs for the Christian religion. They are some of the first martyrs. And like I said last night, and probably the night before, and night before that, is all these guys but John, tradition says were murdered for their faith. They were murdered for their faith because they would not recant. They would not turn from it. So they need that spiritual strengthening. And Jesus is telling them, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you so that your joy may be made complete because that joy will be theirs. Thus they go from sorrow to joy with that finally with that blessed promise all right that is our time for today i thank you for spending this time with me partaking of the word here i continue to pray that this time together helps you you and i both to grow in our knowledge of the scripture um so that again so that our walk would be shaped such that it we more and more every day walk like christ all right Let's go ahead and close out in prayer. We're going to close out with the six day evening prayer. It's called the mediator. Let's pray. O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we hope in thy word 
There we see thee, not on a fearful throne of judgment, but on a throne of grace, waiting to be gracious and exalted in mercy. There we hear thee saying, Not depart ye cursed, but look unto me, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is none else. They that know thy name put their trust in thee. How many now glorified in heaven, and what numbers living on earth are thy witnesses, O God? exemplifying in their recovery from the ruins of the fall, the freeness, riches, and efficacy of thy grace. All that were ever saved were saved by thee, and will through eternity exclaim, Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and truth's sake. Thou hast chosen to transact all thy concerns with us through a mediator, in whom all fullness dwells, and who is exalted to be prince and savior. To him we look, on him we depend, through him we are justified. May we derive relief from his sufferings, without ceasing to abhor sin, or to long after holiness. Feel the double efficacy of his blood, tranquilizing and cleansing our consciences. Delight in his service as well as in his sacrifice. Be constrained by his love, to live not to ourselves, but to him. Cherish a grateful and cheerful disposition, not murmuring and repining if our wishes are not indulged, or because some trials are blended with our enjoyments, but sensible of our desert and impressed with the number and greatness of thy benefits. May we bless and praise thee at all time. Amen. All right, well, again, thank you for spending this time with me. Um, I hope you have yourself a wonderful night. I hope you're looking forward to a great weekend. Um, I hope your plans this weekend, I pray that your plans this weekend include worshiping with the saints. If they don't change them, um, if you cannot physically worship with the saints, please join us. Uh, we broadcast, um, we live stream on Facebook at Vale Valley Baptist Church and on Twitter at, at EVB Church. We commence broadcasting at 1230 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you can't physically worship with anybody else, please join us. We would love to have you. All right. Have a great night. God bless. Thank you.